The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The recent events in Charlottesville got me thinking about the KKK. If you somehow haven't heard uh, what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia on Saturday, August 12th, 32-year-old civil rights activist Heather Heyer was run over by a 20-year-old white supremacist named James Alex Fields Jr., driving a car into a crowd where alt-right white nationalists were protesting the city's decision to remove a statue of Robert E. Lee, and they were clashing with people not interested in letting white racists yell idiotic rhetoric like Jews will not control us. KKK members around the country weighed in on Charlottesville, like North Carolina Grand Dragon for the loyal white knights of the Ku Klux Klan, Justin Moore, who said afterwards that he was glad that Heather died. What a piece of shit. And after hearing this, I just thought, how are we still talking about the KKK in 2017? How do these people still exist? And then I realized that other being, you know, knowing that they were racist and white hoods, I, I really didn't know anything about the KKK. And I decided it was high time these motherfuckers got sucked. So strap in for a ride through the dark underbelly of America's post-Civil War relationship with racism in this Enough is Enough edition of Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Happy Monday, you wonderfully curious members of the tribe of Time Suck. I'm Dan Cummins. Love that you're listening. I hope you're having a fantastic day, or, you know, at least a day that got a little better uh, the second you started hearing this sweet suck flowing into your mind tunnel. If it sounds a little different, uh, it's because I'm in another hotel. Uh, I've been traveling so much, I have not been able to be home to actually record episodes at home. And, uh, and I'll be doing the same thing next week. And then, you know, so just, you know, whenever I can, I'll record at the, the home studio, which has a little better mic. And then, uh, and then sometimes, you know, just uh, life dictates that I have to record somewhere else. So today is the 50th uh, Monday episode of The Suck, and I, and I just feel like, uh, you know, I should do something special for it. And uh, that's what I was thinking. And with some of the shit going on in the media right now and the current level of racial tension in America, this, this just felt like The Suck needed to happen. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for all the recent iTunes reviews. iTunes reviewer KRK25 just reviewed The Suck, giving it five stars, saying witty and insightful. The backstories and details around each subject are mind-blowing. Thoroughly researched with excellent delivery. Well, thank you, KRK25. 
and all the other new reviews. Uh, we're halfway to the 900 review bonus edition already, and uh, 800 iTunes review bonus edition just came out this past Friday. And, you know, MK Ultra suck. Also, thanks for getting those uh, new uh, fourth generation Time Suck t-shirts, everybody. I really appreciate that. Really appreciate the support. Uh, you know, they have those in the shop now at timesuckpodcast.com. You get a sticker pack with each one. It's charcoal Bella Tri-Blend. Right, little royal blue Time Suck on the front, little white logo face on the sleeve. Whole thing made out of 311% pure domestic bald eagle feathers. Only feathers from the bald eagle's beautiful freedom head are taken. No less than 25 eagles go into every single shirt. That's quality. Hail Nimrod. Check them out. So check those out. And uh, and thanks for coming to the uh, Irvine Improv this past weekend. I uh, met a lot of you time suckers. It was, it was fantastic. I uh, met a few of you time suckers who said you're also going to be at the Hollywood Improv uh, live time suck on October 5th. Right? First ever live recording of a time suck podcast as part of the LA Podcast Festival. It's going to be 7.30 p.m. Take a link. It's going to be in the episode description and, uh, and at the podcast, you know, in the podcast player and at timesuckpodcast.com. And I'll also be doing a show with the uh, uh, Hollywood Improv Saturday night, October 7th at 8 p.m. So you can make a full weekend out of it. Uh, and this week, I'm going to be at the Omaha Funny Bone, August 31st, uh, 31st excuse me, through September 3rd. And I'll be at that uh, Columbus Funny Bone, September 14th through the 17th. That's a new new week of shows added there, the Columbus Funny Bone. Uh, so uh, you can find more tour dates at timesuckpodcast.com. And, uh, and I can remind you about this kind of stuff, you know, if you follow Time Suck on social media, at Time Suck Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, slash Time Suck Podcast on Facebook. Just do it. Just, just click some buttons. Make it happen. And finally, thanks to Time Sucker Stephen Rock, Noah Saldana, and others for asking for today's topic. Stay tuned for Time Sucker updates at the end, and listen to Today's Suck right now. How long have the KKK been around? Why do they wear those goofy-looking costumes? What do they want? Where do they originally come from? What do the words Ku Klux Klan even mean? By the way, today that, that's the, those are the correct words. I'm probably going to at some point say Ku Klux Klan. I think it's because of the two L's in the, in the, in the two, second and third word. It makes me want to put – I thought until this research, I, th- I actually just thought my whole life it was Ku Klux Klan. It's Ku. Not that, not that these dipshits deserve to have any accuracy, but it's Ku Klux Klan. But it's, my mind doesn't want to say that. So there you know. Uh, there you go. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to answer all this and more today. And a lot of it is going to be answered in today's Time Suck timeline. Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a Time Suck timeline. Okay, the, uh, the clan kind of came about in three phases. And the first one, uh, the original, started on December 25th, 1865. Uh, Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Fuck. Fucked up is that? Pulaski, Tennessee. Uh, the KKK is formed by six Tennessee veterans of the Confederate Army. Uh, Army. Now, originally, this is, a, is like a social club. It was John T. Lester, John Kennedy, James Crow, Frank McCord, Richard Reed, and J. Calvin Jones. And apparently, it was not initially formed in the very, 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 very beginning as some racist militant organization. It was just kind of uh, formed on a lark. A couple dudes who, I guess, had a little extra time on their hands, and now that they weren't busy, you know, fighting to keep slavery alive. And uh, they kicked off a fraternal organization that was based on another fraternal organization that had also started off kind of as a joke, uh, the Sons of Malta and St. Louis, uh, which began in 1855. Uh, Mystic societies were popular at this time. People just basically liked secret secret clubhouses. You know, it's like adult secret clubhouses full of, you know, codes and secret initial or uh, handshakes and rituals and, you know, just an excuse for dudes to get together and dick around and, Come up with some funny uh, or whatever or secret stuff to make themselves feel important and drink. I guess uh, kind of anything to get out of the house type vibe. And I and I do get that. I get the the secret society part. Not that I'm interested. 
and uh, like doing that at some you know clubhouse. Other you know a time suck is my society. Honestly, this is my tribe, and uh, you know well I guess we'll have to come up with some secret fucking handshakes now. But but I do remember like as a kid wanting like a proper tree fort. You know uh, you needed a code word to enter it. You know some some, some kind of secret handshake you had to know. Uh, I, I remember becoming uh, blood brothers with a neighbor kid once. Uh, I'm not sure what we pledged. But I remember being, uh, you know, intense about it at the time. <laughs> this is gonna be forever, man. Just no girls, man. No girls. We're gonna stay away from girls with their cooties and their ponytails. And we're always and forever gonna have time for Legos and comic books and GI Joes. Okay. Now let's 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 work on our handshake more. This is serious stuff. Well, the name the Ku Klux Klan is thought to have been derived from the Greek word kuklos, which means circle, and the Scottish word clan. You know, uh, probably just picked for alliteration, and it, you know, does denote that it's a group. Really, just a random fraternal name. Which, uh, for the purpose of telling some interesting narratives, kind of a bummer. You know, I was hoping it uh, stood for something intense like death, pain, and destruction. Something, you know, deservedly wicked for those dickheads. Uh, no, just just random and nonsensical, which, which actually is kind of fitting since these fuckheads' uh, ideals are random and nonsensical. Uh, just like last week we learned that Kurt Cobain randomly picked Nirvana after seeing a late-night, you know, Buddhism infomercial after considering Whisker Biscuit and Poopoo Box for other names. These guys just kind of pulled KKK out of their asses. Uh, just six guys coming up with their own little silly frat. I, I think it is funny when we hear words enough in life. We just we want there to be meaning behind them. I always hear uh, musicians talk about that. That you know people are assigning all these you know meaning to their lyrics and their songs. <laughs> time and time again, a lot of these guys are like, I don't fucking know. And just some shit I thought, just some stuff popped in my head and it sounded good with the with the melody. That's it. But it's like people refuse to believe it. And then uh, months after formation, uh, this little frat starts to grow, and the guys in it decide they should uh, do something besides come up with initiation rituals and uh, drink and hang out. And they, they decided that they need, a, they need a purpose, a mission. And as former Confederate soldiers who had just lost to the Union and as former slave owners who had just seen their slaves freed as Southerners who are now having Union soldiers and politicians tell them what to do, they decided their mission was to keep recently freed black men and women uh, and the white citizens and politicians who supported them from changing the Southern way of life. They settled on an evil mission of hate based out of fear of change and a stubborn dedication to keep African-American people from enjoying the same quality of life that they had, which, uh, you know, I guess makes sense for these guys. They're, these guys are, you know, members of their former slave owners, you know, their, their sons, grandsons, great-grandsons, etc. of former slave owners, you know, to suddenly accept uh, that, the, that what their family's been doing for the last 100, maybe 200 years was intrinsically just immoral and shameful and disgusting. And then, you know, it'd be a harsh truth to face. And historically, people don't like to face harsh truths. You know, they like to they like to double down on their existing prejudices and uh, misinformed worldviews, and just kind of keep that rationalization train. You know, just a toot toot tooting along, all aboard the willful refusal to never indulge in potentially painful introspection. Well, the Civil War had ended just months before the formation of the KKK in May of 1865. <laughs> Sorry, as I'm doing this, I just keep thinking of like there's people in the room next door. They must be like, what in the fuck is he doing over there, making his choo choo sounds? And having a very one-sided conversation. <laughs> okay, but uh, the Civil War ended just months before the formation of the KKK in May of 1865. In the subsequent months, uh, you know, many white supremacists across the South, angry over the outcome of the war, had begun forming several different organizations to violently intimidate recently freed African-American slaves and also Republicans who were trying to win political power. Uh, and by the way, in the 1800s, the current ideologies of today's political parties were reversed. Uh, Republicans were the liberals and Democrats were conservative. Uh, also, in, uh, earlier in 1865, uh, in April, uh, President Lincoln had been assassinated, and his vice president, Andrew Johnson, was not up to the task of overseeing kind of proper reconstruction of the South. 
Uh, he was not nearly the politician uh, that Lincoln was. The South gets kind of thrown into political turmoil, and southern states quickly pass laws to reduce rights of the newly freed African-American citizens. Northerners countered by passing laws to counteract the South's new legislation. 1866, violence is breaking out across the South between blacks and white supremacists. Uh, between May 1st and 3rd in 1866, a quarrel between whites and black ex-soldiers erupts into full-fledged a riot in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, white policemen assist the mobs in their violent rampage through the black sections of town. And by the time the violence has ended, 46 people are dead, 70 more wounded, numerous churches and schools burned to the ground. Just two months later, on July 30th, a similar outbreak of violence erupts in New Orleans. Uh, this time, a white mob attacks the attendees of a black suffrage convention, killing 37 uh, black people and three white people who allied with them. 1867, former Confederate general and noted white supremacist Nathan Bedford Forrest, architect of the Fort Pillow Massacre, uh, becomes the first Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, and he soon develops the ability to turn himself into a white wolf at will, freeze time, and control the weather. You know, wizard shit. Grand Wizard. What an, a fucking, what an appropriate title for the leader of a bunch of idiots. <laughs> bunch more. How do they take themselves seriously? I would just love to meet with some Grand Wizard now and just ruthlessly mock him. So uh, so what, what spells do you know? What, what can you conjure? Can, can you travel through time? Can you shoot fireballs? Can you freeze people in their tracks? Can you transport you and your clan jackasses to another place at will? No? Well, then you're not a fucking wizard, are you? You're a sad, uneducated douchebag who likes to play dress up and feel much more important than he actually is. So get the fuck out of here with your wizard shit. Uh, the Fort Pillow Massacre, by the way, occurred in Tennessee on April 12, 1864 at Fort Pillow on the Mississippi River in Henning, Tennessee, led by Forrest. The Confederates won the battle, and then after the battle, uh, the largely African-American contingent of Union troops surrendered, and then the Confederates massacred the unarmed men in an event categorized later by historians as a mass lynching. After the surrender, over 300 African-Americans were killed, including not just soldiers but many civilians. So the first leader of the KKK was a man who butchered unarmed soldiers and also unarmed civilians, including women and children. So, you know, real upstanding dude. Uh, 1867 alone, the Klan uh, ends up murdering several thousand, several thousand recently freed African-Americans in the former Confederate states as an effort to suppress the political participation of black Southerners and their allies. Whites are able to kill blacks in broad daylight in front of numerous witnesses, never be charged, never go to trial. Uh, local law enforcement tended to side with the butchers. Then during a period known as the Radical Reconstruction of the South, uh, which began in 1867 when liberal Republicans in D.C. started doing their best to bring equality to recently freed African Americans, uh, newly enfranchised black men in the South gained a voice in government for the first time in American history. Uh, African-Americans started winning elections to southern state legislatures, even to the U.S. Congress. Uh, the Reconstruction Act of 1867, the act that laid out the process to readmit states into the Union, required southern states to write new constitutions, permitting African-Americans to be able to vote and hold public office. And for a brief time, great strides towards racial equality were made. And then these strides, uh, you know, scared the shit out of the racist assholes across the South, uh, who then started doing everything they could to stop those strides from advancing further. 1868, the KKK begins to really formally kind of organize and publishes its organization and principles, this kind of first little pamphlet book thingy. And although early supporters of the Klan claimed that it was, you know, philosophically a Christian patriotic organization uh, rather than a group of blatant white supremacist hate mongers, uh, a quick glance at the Klan's catechism uh, reveals otherwise. Now check out some of these questions to which Klan members answered yes. Are you opposed to Negro equality, both social and political? Are you in favor of a white man's government in this country? Are you in favor of constitutional liberty 
and a government of equitable laws instead of a government of violence and oppression? Are you in favor of maintaining the constitutional rights of the South? Are you in favor of the reenfranchisement and emancipation of the white men of the South and the reinstitution of the Southern people to all, all their rights alike, uh, pro pro proprietary, civil, and political? Do you believe in the inalienable right of self-preservation of the people against the exercise of arbitrary and unlicensed power? Yeah, 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 just random goodwill group, my ass. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of qualifications in there. Are, are you in favor of life getting better for, uh, for white people? Are you in favor of never oppressing anyone except for black people? Oppress all, them all the time. Just, yeah, yeah, it was not good, not good. Also in 1868, Ulysses S. Grant is elected the 18th president of the United States, and the Klan is pissed. This, this man is the eternal enemy of the Confederates. You know, Grant is not only a liberal Republican, he also uh, was the military commander of the Union that just kicked their asses in the Civil War. And, uh, and President Grant hated the KKK. Uh, 14th Amendment is passed on July 28, 1868, and African Americans are officially recognized now as citizens of the United States, outraging many Southerners because other than the right to vote, uh, this act gave newly freed blacks the same federal civil rights, at least in theory, as they had. However, despite the new laws D.C. is passing, enforcing them in the South, whole other issue. Lynchings and killings of black citizens by white supremacists continue and remain largely unpunished. 1869. Grant and Congress passed the 15th Amendment ratified in 1870 that granted African-American men the right to vote across the U.S. Sorry, ladies, uh, women of all colors would still have to wait until 1920, uh, another 50 years. On January 1870, Mississippi elects uh, Hiram Revels as a U.S. senator, the first African-American uh, African member of Congress. Uh, Mississippi had just been readmitted to the Union, and Hiram took his seat on February 25, 1870, and held the office until March 3, 1871. During Revel's short tenure, he introduced several bills, presented a number of petitions, and served on the Committee of the District of Columbia and the Committee on Education. 1871, Congress passes the Civil Rights Act, also known as the Ku Klux Klan Act, which allows the government to act against terrorist organizations, which is exactly what the KKK was and is. Uh, Grant did not rigorously enforce these laws, though. Uh, although he did uh, order the arrest of hundreds of Klan members. And as a result of this act, although racism and violence towards African Americans continues throughout the South, uh, the Klan as an actual organization does disappear. Uh, and that's one reason it disappears is because of this act. But really a larger reason it disappears is because white supremacists don't need it anymore to carry out their agenda. By 1872, the Freedmen's Bureau established uh, after the Civil War to help former black slaves and poor whites in the South in the aftermath of the Civil War in 1865 is abandoned due to Southern political pressure. Uh, the Freedmen's Bureau had provided food, housing, and medical aid, established schools, and offered legal assistance. It also attempted to settle former slaves on Confederate lands confiscated or abandoned during the war. Union federal troops sent to the South to supervise the reformation of the South also began to withdraw. So with the Bureau and federal troops gone, uh, recently freed black citizens began to quickly lose many of the rights they had gained immediately after the Civil War. Southerners are able to be openly uh, violent and, and racist against them once again. They don't need to hide you know, behind a group like the KKK. They can just you know, do it out in the open. Interesting random note about the first historical period of the KKK. Uh, they never had the white pointy hoods during this first period of activity, as I had always assumed. Uh, they actually wore various costumes when they went out and committed acts of mob violence. Like they uh, kind of like weird Mardi Gras shit, you know, sometimes showing up for an attack in like uh, women's dresses. Not, not kidding. Uh, sometimes they wore antlers, you know, coonskin caps, fake beards, uh, sometimes even blackface. Some of them, some of them did uh, wear like pointy wizard type hats of various colors, but not necessarily white. You know, uh, some look more like uh, dunce caps than the later hoods, which is fitting. 
uh, all sorts of various costumes designed to hide identity and mock their victims. And then the lynchings and terror just continued without the costumes uh, when the Klan disbanded. Journalist Ida B. Wells Barnett estimated that uh, in the 25 years after the Civil War, lynchers murdered 10,000 black Americans, and that's just the African Americans who were murdered. God knows how many others were beaten, raped, otherwise humiliated. Starting in the 1880s, spectacle uh, lynchings attracted crowds of up to 15,000 white participant witnesses uh, who booked special excursion trains to reach lynching sites. They snatched victims' clothing, bone fragments, Jesus, organs as souvenirs. They uh, photographed themselves smiling, posing with their kids beside the broken, burned bodies of the victims, scrapbooked the photos, mailed them as postcards, confident that they'd never be held, be, uh, be held accountable for their terrorism. They didn't even wear hoods, you know, because they didn't need to. Hard to. It's hard to believe that shit happened. Think about the fucking, think about the hateful place you have to let your mind go to and just live in to get to the point where you would think it would uh, not only be okay, but but fun, like a fun experience to bring the family, to bring the wife and kids to witness the public murder of a human being whose only crime is to have been born uh, the, the, the wrong shade of pigment for that particular historical period. You know, it, it reminds me of the Nazis coming to power in the 1930s in Germany. You know, just how a lot of citizens were just, you know, mocking the Jewish people and being relentlessly hateful uh, to the Jewish people. You know, I guess just like it was easier to go along with the hate uh, there than it was to stand up to the oppression when the Nazi stormtroopers were doing all their horrible shit. Uh, I guess it was just, you know, easier for Southerners to go along uh, with the wanton violence towards African Americans than it was to stand up to a lynch mob. But then going to witness it is even even taking it further. You know, like like maybe you could somehow morally rationalize a tiny bit of it on some level. It's like, look, man, I don't I don't fucking like this at all, but uh, I'm worried about my family uh, being killed if I stand up for somebody because that stuff did happen, and I'm scared. You know, uh, that is you know uh, understandable. You know that you want to keep your family alive, but when you take it to the next point of like, oh man, we're gonna hop on a train uh, and we're gonna go uh, make a weekend out of it to just to watch, you know. Some poor fucking son of a bitch get like, you know, hung from a tree. Then you're just a fucking evil piece of shit. You are an evil, you are an evil, evil person to do that. Jesus. Uh, I think about that quote that's often attributed to Einstein. I'm not sure if he actually said it, uh, but whoever said it uh, spoke the truth when they said, the world is a dangerous place to live in, not because of the people who are evil, but because of the people who don't do anything about it. Yeah, man. And, and I know there's some other quotes uh, along similar lines there, but geez, man. Uh, lynchings were not spontaneous outbursts of mob violence, but the predictable result of institutional support and the outright participation of political elites as well. Uh, the lynchers of Leo Frank in Marietta, Georgia, years later in 1915, uh, 1915, for example, included a former governor, judge, mayor, state legislator, sheriff, county prosecutor, lawyer, banker, business owners, U.S. senator's son, founders of the Marietta Country Club, Frank's case, because he was white and Jewish, uh, attracted media attention that, sadly, thousands of black victims uh, never received, and it just uh, exposed the ways that the elites and authorities exonerated themselves by blaming mob violence on the so-called, you know, just the crackers. I, uh, these, these people, this mob violence, we just can't control them. Yeah, no, you, you like it, you fucking racist son of a bitch. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Mississippi Governor, later U.S. Senator, uh, Senator James K. Vardaman said in 1907, uh, if it is necessary... Every Negro in the state will be lynched. It will be done to maintain white supremacy. Jesus Christ, man. This is a senator. Uh, Vedeman didn't wear a white hood, man. Neither did the first uh, uh, female U.S. senator, uh, Rebecca Latimer Felton, uh, who's it's hard to feel good about uh, what she accomplished. I mean, on the, on, the, on the one hand, for like women's rights, she was the first U.S. senator, uh, technically, even though she served for just 24 hours and in, in uh, 1922. It was more of a ceremoniously uh, kind of thing. But she was also just a, a, a hardcore racist. 
Uh, she said in 1897, if it takes lynching to protect women's dearest possession from drunken, re- re- ravening human beasts, then I say lynch a thousand a week if it becomes necessary. Motherfucker. Uh, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, uh, NCAA, N- NAACP, their research, by the way, would disprove this uh, total lie. Uh, of the lynch mob as honorable defenders of white women. Besides the fact that the myth of the black rapist was a white supremacist fantasy, 70% of lynchers uh, didn't even bother to invoke it to justify their violence. Lynchers killed for such alleged offenses as sassing, uh, wanting a drink of water, being, quote, troublesome, uh, quote, conjuring, and often as in the murder of uh, Ms., uh, Mrs. Jake uh, Sabros and an, and an eight-year-old unnamed child, uh, no excuse at all. All right. Quick additional note on this, this mythology of the black man as the raper of white women. Uh, this is worth touching on again because throughout the Klan's history, it, it would be one of the primary moral justifications they would use for violence towards black men. Uh, white segregations had a real fear uh, of African Americans as sex-crazed rapers, uh, and this was a huge myth. Uh, there was a myth that a lot of uh, uh, mixed-race Southerners were the product of black men raping white women when in reality – Exact opposite was true. White male slave owners frequently raped female black slaves and got them pregnant. And then after the Civil War, uh, this is uh, embarrassing. Some uh, uh, documented history was hidden, and and the narrative was just rewritten as it o- as it often is, you know, in history. And, and by the way, if anybody, I just had to stop pop my head, is like, uh, you know, like, oh man, you know, <laughs> Dan's trying to appeal to uh, to liberals right now, or you're just trying to appease white guilt. No, no, I'm not. I, I don't care what your political uh, ideology is. Uh, I don't care if you're liberal or conservative. I really don't give a shit. And, uh, and I don't have any white guilt. Truly, I don't. Uh, I don't. Because I feel like I'm responsible for what I've done in my life, not what you know people did 150 years ago. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling this like it is. But, but I don't like it when I feel like some white people get uh, offended almost when all this racist history is brought up. It's like... Dude, no one's blaming you personally for it, but it fucking happened. Don't pretend that it didn't happen. Don't pretend that these guys, don't pretend that some of your ancestors weren't huge pieces of shit. <laughs> like, give me a break. Anyway, uh, black men were painted as savage beasts with an unquenchable sexual drive, uh, lusted after young white women. And part of that segregation mythology was protecting these innocent white women from lustful black men, you know? Uh, rewriting history, man. The more research I do, the more common I find that this happens, which is... Uh, uh, why I may not always hit the mark as well as I'd like, but I, but I really attempt to be as honest as possible regarding both history and current events because uh, I think it's so important to do because it doesn't happen enough. Uh, I just try and think about how, I, you know, you don't need to force narrative. Just look at the facts and let the narrative, you know, guide you. Uh, uh, so anyway, despite no evidence of Southerners' fears of African Americans having any, you know, factual basis, politicians continued to defend lynchers. In 1918, uh, George Governor Hugh M. Dorsey wrote to the NAACP, I believe that if the Negroes would exert their ultimate influence with the criminal element of their race and stop rapes, that it would go a long way towards stopping lynchings. Well, this criminal element he was referring to was Mary Turner, who had threatened to press charges against the lynchers of her husband, Hayes Turner, and of nine other men. Ten dudes. The lynchers, as reported by the Savannah Morning News, took exceptions to her remarks as well as her attitude. Then they lynched Mary, who was eight months pregnant, journalist Walter White, uh, whose ability to pass as white enabled him to interview the murderers themselves, reported that they hung Mary upside down, set her on fire, cut out her fetus and stomped it, then shot her multiple times. Ma- oh. The Brooks County Coroner's jury uh, ruled that all the victims had died at the hands of parties unknown and closed their cases. A lyncher served as the jury foreman, one of the actual lynchers. Wow, man. You know, I always try and take into like historical context into account when I'm judging somebody, you know, back in history. 
You know, we talked about that, like Vlad the Impaler. It's like, yeah, dude was a monster, but, you know, a lot of other people were impaling. You know, you try and put it in context where it's, you know, it's not the same as if it happened today. You know, I try and think like, oh, that's fucked up, but it was a different time, etc. No, not not in this case. No, 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 not, not in that case right there. That shit was evil, right? Those lynchers chose to act in evil ways. No one was forcing them to do that. No one was forcing this poor woman and a, oh, and a baby. Oh, man, you are a fucking monster. You know, some things I think, you know, are forgivable in life. If you... <laughs> If you kill a baby, uh, you should die. You should die. There's no redeeming you. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, there's certain things I think when people do, I, I don't think you you uh, qualify for redemption anymore. It's too much, man. Too much. We got to have some kind of fucking punishment for that stuff in society. Some kind of, you know, harsh, harsh punishment to send a message to the rest of us that you don't get away with that. You don't get away with that. My God. Well, these lynchers got away with it, man. Everybody did back then with that kind of stuff. These pieces of garbage. Okay, so now. Now we know that while the KKK as an organization died out in the 1870s, the legacy of horrific violence towards African Americans by white supremacists clearly lived on after, after the organization itself went away for a while. And then around the time of the despicable lynching I just talked about, uh, the Klan as an organization comes back in a major way. And before we delve into that, let's check in uh, with today's sponsor. Time Suck is brought to you today by the Dollar Shave Club, the right razor for people of all races, Okay. Maybe those idiotic uh, KKK members uh, we've been talking about today wouldn't have been quite as angry and hateful if their silly rednecks weren't all loaded up with uh, itchy stubble. Uh, who knows? Probably not, but I can, I can, I can think about it. I, I know that I feel better, truly, with a smooth shave. I really do. Uh, I just feel like uh, – I feel younger for some reason. I don't know if you do that when you shave. Like if I'm feeling a little bit like, ugh, oh, man. I'm, like, I'm, all, I'm all tired. I'm all exhausted, especially when I'm tired. Uh, it's one of the things I'll do. I'll, sometimes I'll do it. I'll take a second shave in the day just to feel, you know, kind of like brand sparkly new. And, uh, and I do shave at least once a day, my God. Uh, and with, and, and I do use the dollar shave club, uh, every time now when, when I go more than two days without shaving around the edge of my beard, I go from looking, uh, I feel like kind of manly to a lot like a maniac. I go from distinguished to disturbing, uh, bold to backwoods. You need a good shave in your lifetime suckers. Okay. You need to feel clean and crisp. A new and the Dollar Shave Club is how you get a hold of that feeling for yourself. Uh, Dollar Shave Club delivers the best razors in the game to your door each and every month for just a few bucks. And they don't just drop off razors like the DSC Executive Razor that I use. Uh, you know, they also put some Dr. Carver Shave Butter in your life as well. And you know, you know how butter makes everything taste better? Like, uh, it really does. <laughs> well, Dr. Carver Shave Butter makes everything feel better, like your face when you shave that. Or your legs, ladies and dudes who like to shave their legs, not judging. Not judging how smooth you like to keep your body. You want to shave the whole thing? You want to shave, shave it all? You fucking you shave it then. So make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only 5 bucks with free shipping. After that razor is just a few bucks a month, that's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month's box, you get an awesome weighty handle, full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of their shave butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges uh, ship automatically. All right, at their uh, regular price, there's no hidden fees, no commitments, cancel anytime you like. You can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash timesuck. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash timesuck. Do it today. Support the show by supporting our sponsors. All right, back into the muck and the mire of today's suck, man. Second phase of the Klan is in 1915. In 1915, the White Hoods are born. You know how earlier I stated that the, uh, initially the Klan never wore that costume we now recognize as being the KKK in the 19th century? Yeah, that, that, the white robe, uh, the white hood, you know, with the eyes cut out, that whole shit. Well, well, now we do know where that costume came from, exactly where it came from. A movie 
Seriously, check this out. In 1915, director D.W. Griffith adapted the book The Klansman into the silent movie Birth of a Nation. The Birth of a Nation. One of the first feature-length films and the first uh, feature-length film to screen in the White House, which is terribly embarrassing. Uh, in a shameful moment of our history. Uh, the movie is based on a book, The Klansman, the second book in a trilogy that author Thomas F. Dixon Jr. wrote. He wrote The Klansman as a message to Northerners to maintain racial segregation. As, as, the, as the work uh, he wrote claimed that blacks when free would turn savage and violent, committing crimes such as murder, rape, and robbery far out of proportion to their percentage of the population. Uh, did I mention that this movie was the first movie screened in the White House? What the fuck? Not one of Woodrow Wilson's finer moments. Strong indication of racial attitudes at the time, right? Like, this is a horrific, you know, Trump doesn't have the best uh, reputation in some people's minds for, for race relations. But, you know, even he could not get away from, like, throwing, like, a screening party of, of, this, of this movie. I fucking, I hope not. I hope he could not get away with that. The, the most famous scene uh, of the movie is the ride of the Klan, and it required 25,000 yards of white muslin to realize Dixon's costume ideas. Among the variety of Klansman costumes in the film, there appeared a new one. The one-piece, full-face masking, pointed white hood with eye holes, which would come to represent the modern Klan member. Maybe it was Griffith who brought those pieces of fabric together in the soon-to-be iconic form. Uh, after all, his mother had sewn costumes for his Klansman father. Oh, my God. The family that hates together, huh? Uh, or maybe Griffith got the idea from another source altogether, Freemason regalia. Or maybe it wasn't even Griffith's uh, idea at all, uh, but that of Paris-trained costume designer guild's Hall of Famer, Claire West, who worked on the film. Maybe she just made it up. Well, the blockbuster popularity of Birth of a Nation uh, gave free advertising to a traveling fraternal order organizer, former Methodist minister, garter salesman, and overall uh, hate-mongering piece of shit, uh, William J. Simmons. By the way, there are so many pieces of shit in this episode. It's one of the higher higher percentages of pieces of shit in an episode we've had so far. Uh, Simmons did did uh, did not just organize fraternities. Uh, he had joined 15 of them himself, including the Knights Templar and the Masons. Dude loved a secret handshake. Loved it so much. Well, the 1915 lynching uh, of Leo Frank, though I mentioned earlier, inspired Simmons to form a new anti-Semitic racist fraternity. Uh, that's right. They hated the Jewish people as well. They, they hated pretty much everybody, as you'll, you'll find out soon. Uh, one week before the birth of a nation's Atlanta premiere, Simmons received a state charter for the Invisible Empire, Knights of the Ku Klux Klan Incorporated. Not just wizards now. They're knights. Man, these guys love to feel so much more important than they were, didn't they? Hello, friend. I'm, I'm Bubba the Knight, and this is my pappy, Gunther the Wizard. What are you talking about? You're not a knight and a wizard. You do just dumb shits and dire need of dental work, sitting in a Waffle House and smelling like last week's B.O. Uh, well, Simmons uh, got to make that sweet hate money selling hoods and robes for six fifty dollars each, sewn in a local shop, and he wrote a handbook, the Clor- the Cloran, or the Cloran, uh, and in 1920 hired publicist Edward uh, Y. Clark and Elizabeth Tyler to launch a massive campaign that attracted 100,000 new members in 16 months. Klegels, as the uh, new recruiters were called, uh, arranged minstrel shows and screenings of The Birth of a Nation and other pro-Klan films. Uh, Jesus, man, what a, a money-hungry piece of shit Simmons was. Uh, uh, what's selling today, Janice? Uh, what's, what, what's, uh, what's hot? What's hot with the kids today? Uh, thinking of opening up a new fraternity. Just uh, violent racial hate. Whoa, that's, that's just positively swell there, Janice. A lot of money to be made in hate. Oh, me, oh, my. Let a, let's burn a cross and light up the sky. Time to, time to make some of those clan clams, Janice. Make some of that sweet bigot bread. Ugh. Found a copy of uh, Simmons' Koran uh, online, and, and here is the creed. It says, We... The Order of the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan uh, reverentially acknowledge the majesty, <laughs> majesty, <laughs> uh, the majesty and supremacy of the divine being, 
and recognize the goodness and providence of the same. Okay, you know, so far it doesn't sound sound hateful. It sounds, uh, you know, it's a little wordy. Uh, what else do they have to say? We, all caps on the we, recognize our relation to the government of the United States of America, the supremacy of its constitution laws thereof, and we shall ever be devoted to the sublime principles of a pure Americanism and valiant in the defenses of its ideals and institutions. Okay, okay, still still pretty wordy, uh, but, you know, patriotic, uh, noble-sounding even. Uh, when does it become super racist? Oh, uh, next paragraph. We avow the distinctions between the races of making as same has been decreed by the Creator, and we shall ever be true in the faithful maintenance of white supremacy, and will strenuously oppose any compromise thereof in any and all things. There we go. Strenuously oppose any compromise of white supremacy. As God intended, what the f- Does the Bible actually encourage racism? You know? Uh, well, Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina, a place that sounds like uh, quite possibly the worst place in America to go to college, uh, was officially against interracial dating, as in you could get thrown out of school for doing it, until the year 2000. Seriously, like, what the fuck? 1999, you still couldn't inter- interracially date. What the fuck? Bob, uh, Bob uh, Jones himself uh, once said, quote, white folks and colored folks, you listen to me. <laughs> You cannot run over God's plan and God's established order without having trouble. God never meant to have one race. It was not his purpose at all. God has a purpose for each race. You know, whenever somebody starts telling me what fucking God thinks, I get real skeptical. I'm like, you know what? I, I think God wants you to shut the fuck up. That's what I think. I think if he does exist, uh, not a fan of you. Not a fan of you, you know, just talking on his behalf all the time with some silly bullshit. Uh, so what did the Bible say? Uh, not much, as it turns out. Uh, slavery existed during the time in which the Bible was written, you know, and slavery is, is uh, you know, biblically condoned in various verses. It's referenced. However, it's never associated explicitly with race, despite the message that some dipshit fundamentalists like Bob try and sell. Uh, you know, like Genesis uh, 4.15 says, But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, so that no one who found him would kill him. Then much later in Genesis, uh, Genesis 9.25, it says, Then he cursed Canaan, Canaan, sorry, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. And somehow the mark of Cain uh, became seen as an indication of being African-American, this curse of Ham, uh, and, and then like the lowest of servants somehow gets associated with, uh, with skin color as well. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, uh, even though those verses don't seem to even remotely indicate any justification of slavery at all. Uh, if, if, if you're a rational person, just looking at them and not just twisting uh, ancient religious text, you know, to fit your own personal hateful agenda. The Bible is not against interracial d- dating, period. End of story. It's not. And if your minister tells you otherwise, it's because he's a fucking asshole. He's an uneducated fool is who he is. And, and, and I know that's a strongly judgmental thing to say, but uh, it's the truth. I just I get so sick of people twisting religious text to fit their own agendas of hate. It's gone on so long in our, in, you know, in the history of humanity, and it's so fucking tiresome. It's just enough already. Uh, okay, so no biblical justification for racial uh, persecution, but the Klan tries to align itself with the Bible anyway. Uh, Simmons' Koran continues. It says, uh, We appreciate the intrinsic value of a real practical relationship of kindred thought, purpose, and ideals, and the infinite benefits accruable therefrom, and we shall faithfully devote ourselves to the practice of an honorable clannishness, clannishness that the life and living or each may be a constant blessing to others. And then it ends with some uh, nonsense of uh, non-syllabus said and thaw. Uh, it's supposed to mean not self but others, but it, not, not really. 
<laughs> it's like this weird mashup of Latin and Gothic. They were just, again, kind of just making up their own random symbols and stuff. And, you know, they're just being honorable, honorable, you guys. That's it. It says so right in the pam- pamphlet, you know. The association uh, was being ignorant thugs. That's just hearsay. It's all big misunderstanding. They're just bringing blessings to people. So many blessings. Uh, you know, that's what that's what they keep in the top of their little pointy dunce hats is actual, it's God's blessings. That's where they, they store uh, 10 to 20 of God's blessings in each of their uh, little dunce caps. Uh, speaking of dunce caps, let's get back to their costume design. 1921, the Klan opens the uh, Gates City Manufacturing Company in Atlanta to mass produce regalia, uh, imitating the birth of a nation's designs, the sumptuous full color mail order catalog of official robes and banners, uh, advertised all standardized factory made hoods for the new hierarchy. Klansmen, white cotton denim hood, red tassel, uh, terror, which is, that sounds so, I don't even know, uh, couldn't find any more info on that. Same hood, along with the red waist cord, uh, special terror. Uh, white satin hood, three red silk tassels. Also for sale were uh, like ceremonial banners. You know, the catalog's banners uh, like sampled stuff like the, the the Red Bank in the realm of New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey had 60,000 members in the Klan at the peak of membership, more than Louisiana, Alabama, or even the original uh, Klan's home state of Tennessee. Man, these motherfuckers, man, they're, they're treating violent oppression, torture, disenfranchisement, uh, murder of human beings like it's a Halloween party. You know, the cross burning that would come to symbolize the Klan also came from the movie Birth of a Nation. These guys were not big on original ideas. Uh, what a sad example of life imitating shitty art. Uh, with black Americans' lives uh, already so severely constrained by Jim Crow law and lynch law, the newly hooded Klan uh, didn't actually direct a lot of their uh, initial violence in the second wave towards African Americans in the, in the 20s. They directed it towards new targets, uh, targets, immigrants from Eastern and Southern Europe, Jews, uh, Catholics, uh, alleged Bolsheviks. Union members. Jim Crow laws, by the way, uh, were local laws in the South that supported segregation. You know, like by 1877, after the initial reconstruction attempts by liberal politicians to secure equal rights for African Americans, white conservative Democrat politicians regained power in the South. And the last of the federal troops the Union had stationed in the South to oversee their reintegration into the North had been removed. And then these new white politicians immediately began passing laws to segregate blacks from whites. Blacks were still elected to local offices throughout the 1880s, but their voting was suppressed for state and national elections. And then between 1890 and 1910, 10 of the 11 former Confederate states, starting with Mississippi, passed new constitutions or amendments that effectively disenfranchised most blacks and tens of thousands of poor whites through a combination of poll taxes, literacy, and comprehension tests, and residency and record-keeping requirements. Slavery may have uh, officially been over, but a large population of white Southerners were a long way from being done with oppressing African Americans. Now, the new Klan in the early 20th century uh, courted mainstream Protestants, nativist, white supremacists, respectability. Senators, Supreme Court justices, governors joined up. So did white women. Shortly after the ratification of the 19th Amendment on August 18, 1920, women's right to vote, the Klan auxiliary organization, Women of the Ku Klux, uh, Women of the, I did the clue thing, Women of the Ku Klux Klan formed. Well, the new uh, hooded uniforms and the secret rituals had very little to do with uh, the Klan's 19th century origins. They were based more on fraternal orders, uh, like the Masons. Anonymity wasn't quite the point with the costumes either. While the hoods were, could assure their kind of wearers personal anonymity, uh, their force came from declaring membership in a safe, privileged identity. It was anything but secret. At its peak in the mid-1920s, uh, the organization claimed to include about 15% of the nation's eligible population, approximately 4 to 5 million men. Man, racism was alive and well in 1920s America. Uh, membership in the Klan peaked in 1925. On August 8, 1925, more than 50,000 members of the KKK paraded through Washington, D.C. Some walked in lines as wide as 20 abreast. Others, you know, created formations of the letter K or of a Christian cross. A few rode on horseback because, you know, they're knights, guys. They're knights. Noble defenders of the realm, Sir Lancelot, Sir Arthur, and now Sir Cooter, Sir Jethro, 
Sir Billy Bob. Uh, many held American flags, men and women alike. You know, the marchers carried banners emblazoned with the names of their home states or local chapters. The procession lasted for more than three hours down Pennsylvania Avenue. Lying with spectators, national leaders of the organization were uh, resplendent in colorful satin robes. Uh, the rank and file wore white. A regalia adorned with a circular red patch containing a cross with a drop of blood at its center. And, uh, and before this, uh, you know, comes uh, across uh, too heavy-handed towards southern uh, whites, I, I do want to point out that the Klan was not just in the south anymore. There were local claverns all across the United States, from Maine to California, right, Washington, down there to Arizona, just everywhere. In 1924, the Klan actually had as many as 40,000 members in Maine alone, and they helped elect Governor Ralph Brewster. Ideologi uh, ideologically, the Klan uh, was blending xenophobia, uh, religious prejudice, white supremacy together with a broadly conservative moralism. Amidst a global recession that came in the aftermath of World War I, there was a lot of fear and anxiety uh, amongst you know, native-born kind of white Protestants in America – uh, that the that the kind of world they knew was going to come undone, you know, with all these different immigrants and all these Catholics coming in. Just like the South was afraid of change in the 1860s and 1870s with the ending of slavery, now the whole country is afraid uh, of change after World War One, uh, with with a massive influx of immigrants. Right? Does this all sound familiar? By the way, fear of change combined with uh, immigration, xenophobia combined with right wing politicians preaching fear. You know, talking about how we have to protect the American way of life. God, man, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Part of why I'm getting so interested in history. It's just, it's so fascinating to see these patterns just keep repeating and repeating and repeating. Uh, citizens, you know, are worried about the influx of Eastern European immigrants who adhered to communism and other supposedly subversive political creeds and, and their growing influence and the Catholics and the Jewish immigrants in American life. And about how, you know, the migration of African Americans out of the South was going to change things, you know, uh, there was a, the intellectual vogue for religious modernism, the expansion of political and sexual freedom for women. And, and because of all this, there was this perception that, you know, immortality or immoral, immoral you know, uh, uh, lifestyle choices, crime and vice were all going to be on the rise. You know, it just confirmed the sense that this, uh, their world was spinning out of their, out of their control. The Klan advocated their, uh, the restoration of true Americanism. Again, doesn't that sound familiar, man? When everybody's like loose... And again, I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to uh, get political with shitting on Trump, but it did really bother me just as a somewhat intellectual person. I fucking hate the slogan, make America great. I could not hate it more. Like I literally, I could not hate, that is the dumbest shit. It is the dumbest shit. <laughs> like what, what, when exactly? When was it, what is the great you're referring to? When it was, when it was more sexist and racist uh, back in history? Great for who? For a racist? Is that is that or great for everybody? It's just it's just like it's just a nonsense fucking statement that, by the way, I think was playing on just to get a uh, side note there was just playing on, you know, uh, people who had lost their job, like factory jobs and things. And it was like this uh, bullshit uh, uh, sales pitch of like, we're going to get it all back for you. Yeah, man, you, you lost the house. You lost your job. We're going to get it all back for you. No, no, you won't. No, you won't. Politicians never come through on shit like that. Not ever. Not on either side of the political sphere. Um, anyway, 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 anyway. Uh, so the Klan, you know, it advocates this restoration of true Americanism, offers members a, a platform that demonizes blacks, Catholics, Jews, Mexicans, Asians, just basically any other non-white ethnic immigrant, uh, also condemning communism, uh, most other forms of leftist, leftist politics, uh, base cultural influences such as alcohol, birth control, teaching of evolution <laughs> in public schools. <laughs> My God, think about everything they're opposed to. They're opposed to um, everybody who is <laughs> like literally everybody who is not um, not only white, you gotta be white, you gotta be Protestant, um, 
uh, you're white. Let's see, you're white, you're Protestant, uh, you're in favor of creationism, and and you are sober. Like it's it's such a narrow narrow scope of people, but apparently there was a lot uh, of people within that scope. So it, 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 they were trying to present themselves as this Christian moral reform organization, you know, and this vehicle for kind of you know uh, entrenching the economic and political power of white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, and the, and the Klan flourished for a while with that, you know, with the promise that energetic white nationalism and traditional morals would 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 hold back the tide tides of you know of modern life, modern sinful life, and, and it's crazy schemes trying to undermine the authority of na- native-born white Americans, you know. Oh, my God. In the late 1910s, throughout the t- 1920s, Klansmen returned to their violent roots, uh, started carrying out hundreds of beatings and whippings and dozens of murders. They also started threatening bootleggers, uh, taking a stance, again, in, in favor of prohibition, which kind of how they, you know, helped sell themselves uh, to the to the moral conservatives, you know. Uh, you know, they're, they're taking a stance, and they're in favor of prohibition. They're going to galvanize the movement that way. That you know, they're they're not they're not ignorant, violent, insane racists. They're just you know they're just some good old boys trying to keep America's morals pure. That, that's all, guys. Trying to keep everybody sober. Just doing it for the kids. Uh, they were the good guys, you know, who flogged Mexicans. They were the the, the nice guys who tarred and feathered doctors, uh, who performed abortions. They the strong armed politicians. They were they were just good old guys who lynched unarmed innocent black citizens and just fine fellows who showed up on night rides, terrify and abuse prostitutes and to beat and sometimes kill Jewish people and. Just, you know, just good guys who terrified young women, you know, found writing the cards with men of any color. Uh, just, you know, just just keep everybody safe. Uh, they even uh, had a number of auxiliaries for children, which had names such as the Junior Ku Klux Klan, the Tri-K Club, and the Ku Klux Kitties. I wish I was making that up. The Ku Klux Kitties. Are you fucking kidding me? That sounds like something out of an SNL sketch. But I bet they had I bet they had little songs and everything too. We're the Ku Klux Kitties and we want to be your pal if you're white. We're the Ku Klux Kitties, fun-loving boys and gals who are all white. The Ku Klux Kitties are a friend to those in need if they're white. And when we grow up, we probably still won't be able to read. It, what? I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't say they have good songs. All right. I didn't say they have good songs. And again, keep in mind as I'm doing this, doing it from a hotel room. Freaking out people next door. Uh, Klan members uh, did a lot in the 20s to normalize their organization, make it more appealing to mainstream white America. They showed up in churches on Sunday mornings to donate money, and they ran charity drives. They threw Christmas parties for orphans, raised money to uh, build Protestant-only hospitals. Protestant. Oh, Protestant-only hospitals. Again, uh, so so narrow. Children's hospitals to help you know sick kids get better. As long as those kids uh, are white, uh, believe in uh, creationism, uh, Protestant, and, uh, oh, and, and not communist or even uh, liberal. Oh, what's going on? What's going on, though, Michael? You got you got scarlet fever. That's that's terrible, buddy. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do everything we can to fix you right up. Okay, okay, buddy. Doctor's gonna be right in to see you. Uh, wh- wait, wh- what was your last name again, Michael? Uh, Goldberg. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's Jewish, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. You know what? And how about instead of waiting for the doctor in here, in the waiting room, why don't you go um wait out by the dumpster with Jamal and Enrique? Uh, the Klan made efforts to uh, fight supposed Catholic influence in public schools by donating American flags and Bibles. You know, because you know how much Catholics hate flags and Bibles. What the, I don't fuck. what understand, what is the connection there? Oh, man, that's, uh, we, we just want to donate some, some flags to the school, because we, you know, we know the Catholics aren't going to be doing that, right? And, uh, and some Bibles, because we know that they don't, they don't care for that, you know? I don't know what kind of Catholic book they're reading. They, they read the, the, the Popal is what they read. We read the Bible, and they read the, the Popal. And the Popal is, uh, the devil's work. So, you know, there you go. Uh, it, it does get hard, uh, you know, research stuff like this where it's, it's hard to understand the Klan's motivations because basically in general they were just uh, – they were dumb. They were dumb people, uh, truly. 
truly. Like there was there was a few people, you know, historically in the clan that were like educated. But the more research I did, when I, I dug into some of like the like you know who are these people, kind of like the socioeconomics, and it, and it usually is like terribly uneducated, uh, poor, extremely ignorant white people who join up. It's not like you know, I mean, they they did for a while in the twenties, you know, have a fair amount of casual members, which is a sad state of uh, kind of commentary on the times that were like doctors and lawyers. But by and large, the people going to all the meetings were just exactly what you think. When you think of like central casting clan member, some guy with, you know, missing a lot of teeth and uh, not in not in peak physical condition, uh, hygiene, not great, mind, uh, not good at all. Like a guy just kind of, you know, maybe maybe living on canned meat <laughs> and sweet tea. And that's <laughs> that's pretty accurate from what I came across. Uh, the KKK uh, created special clan rights for uh, wedding ceremonies, christenings, funerals. Ran, uh, uh, ran candidates uh, for hundreds of state and local offices. Americans elected countless Klan members as mayors, school board, city council members, sheriffs, state legislators, Klan officeholders, and picked, uh, were particularly prominent in powerful positions. Uh, included uh, like governors, like Governor Edward Jackson of Indiana, Clifford Walker of Georgia, as well as U.S. Senators Earl Mayfield of Texas, Rice Means of Colorado. Rice Means. What a tough name. <laughs> Rice. Mr. Means. Uh, I prefer to be called Rice. Okay. Uh, and when you hear about these politicians, you might think, you know, uh, again, that they couldn't have all been dumb, right? They couldn't. No, but n- not all of them, but again, most. Uh, most of these people who were getting elected, they were just manipulating the the kind of the, the claverns to get some votes. They weren't they weren't like active members. Which was in the, I'm not giving them an excuse, but I'm just trying to paint a picture of the, the average member. Uh, then on November 16th, 1925, the Grand Dragon. I got dragons. I got dragons and wizards, you know? Ah, uh, man. Should have started playing some, some D&D. Uh, the Grand Dragon of Indiana, David Stephenson, the state's leading Klansman, one of the most powerful, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> one of the most powerful dragons. I wish these guys, uh, it's, so, it's hard not to laugh just to say they're stupid fucking titles. One of, one of the most powerful dragons um, in the country at this time, he was found guilty of the rape and murder of a white woman. You know, he, he done fucked up. Raping and killing a white woman. Those are the two things the Klan was supposed to be protecting people from the most. Right, those are the two things that they were the most afraid of that the black man was doing, and here their their wholesome dragon is doing it. You know, uh, the clan pride itself, you know, on being a protector of white people and the virtue of white women, and uh, and this was the beginning of the end. This crime for the second era of the clan, after his conviction and sentencing to life in prison, you know, fellow clansman and governor of Indiana Edward Jackson refused to grant Stevenson clemency or commute his sentence. And then uh, you know Stevenson is enraged by the clan not bailing him out, and he and he rats out a whole mess of politicians who are on the clan's payroll. And he rats him out to the Indianapolis Times, and the Times thoroughly looks into it. And uh, they end up getting a Pulitzer Prize for public service for their investigative reporting. And the scandal decimates Klan membership in not only Indiana, but just nationally. As these people, you know, just begin to be exposed as just, you know, hateful degenerates. Uh, but they still weren't totally done. 1927 in Alabama, KKK vigilantes launched a wave of physical terror. They targeted both blacks and whites for violations of racial norms, for perceived moral lapses. But then this too backfired, led to more national sentiment turning against him. Grover C. Hall uh, Sr., editor of the Montgomery Advisor from 1926, uh, wrote a series of editorials and articles that attacked the Klan. Hall won a, he won a Pulitzer Prize for his moral crusade, the 1928 editorial writing Pulitzer, citing his editorials against gangsterism, floggings, and racial and religious, religious intolerance. Other newspapers kept up a steady, loud attack on the Klan, uh, referring to the organization as violent and un-American. Sheriffs finally cracked down on activities by 1930. Klan membership in Alabama dropped to less than 6,000. Small independent units continued to be active in the industrial city of Birmingham, but their numbers dwindled as well. 
Uh, KKK units were still active through the 1930s in parts of Georgia with a group of night riders in Atlanta enforcing their moral views by flogging people who violated them, uh, whites as well as blacks. In March 1940, they were uh, implicated. Uh, I don't know what that uh, squeak was, by the way. I heard a weird squeak. It sounded uh, very much like a fart. And uh, I just I only point that out because I may not go back and I'm not going to go back and cut this out. So uh, not me. You didn't you if you were like, what was that? I don't know. Came came from one of the rooms around me. Anyway, March 1940, uh, these, these night riders were implicated in the beatings uh, and murder of, of a young white couple taken from their car on Lover's Lane. Uh, they flogged a white barber to death for drinking. Uh, all in East Point, a suburb of Atlanta. Jesus Christ, man. Some barber what, drinks too much and they flog him to death. That sounds like a bad way to die, being flogged to death. More than 20 others were brutally flogged. Uh, as the police began to investigate, they found the, the records of the KKK disappeared from their East Point office. You know, the cases were reported by the Chicago Trib- Tribune and the NAACP and its Crisis Magazine, as well as other local papers. So they're getting a lot of bad national press right now. Uh, three lynchings of black men by whites. Uh, no KKK affiliation known for that. Uh, took place in the South in 1940. Uh, Albert Williams was the first NAACP member known to be killed for civil rights activities. He was murdered in Brownsville, Tennessee, for working to register blacks to vote. Several other activists were run out of town. Jesse Thornton was lynched in Laverne, Alabama, for a minor, minor social infraction. And 16-year-old uh, Austin Calloway, a suspect in the assault of a white woman, was taken from a jail in the middle of the night and killed by six white men in LaGrange, Georgia. And then World War II got going, and the second era of the Klan was over. The nation was uh, not preoccupied uh, or was now preoccupied with war. And, uh, and, you know, and, and the main target of the KKK, young black men, were now overseas fighting so that a different racist oppressor uh, could be brought to justice. How strange it must have felt for many, like, southern black men to be across the world, like, risking their lives, dying, fighting, so that other people could be treated better than many of them would be tr- treated when they returned home. That's so fucked up. Uh, the Klan would return again after the war, but we, uh, before we examine that third incarnation of the Klan, let's take a second to see what the Internet has to say about the KKK, uh, specifically the idiots of the internet. Idiots of the internet. 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 I went to a YouTube video called the Ku Klux Klan, a secret history, uh, posted by the channel Little Dread, who states under the video, please note this channel does not support the Ku Klux Klan. This video has been made for education purposes only. Yeah, I would, I would have that disclaimer as well. Uh, when I started reading these comments, what I found was actually refreshing. Hail, hail Nimrod. There is hope for the human race after all. The first comment is from user Aiden Vivero, who states, I just can't take the KKK seriously with those silly costumes. I do totally agree. I mean, I get it one time just because of what they were doing. You know, they were terrifying. Uh, and the costumes maybe made you look scary when you, you know, when you had that political power as, as an organization and numbers on your side and you're armed and going up against unarmed people and all that. I, I get that. But man, but just, you know, uh, if, if you just like saw somebody in the hallway with it, you, they just look like a silly asshole, like a grown man putting on a costume for any reason, KKK, religion, whatever. It just, it does get a little sillier and sillier to me as I get older. Like, why are you wearing a costume? Why, why, why just, just stop, you know, why, why, why? <laughs> how do you not just stop while you're putting on your hood and think, what, what the fuck am I doing? This is the dumbest shit ever. Uh, user, uh, Marcel, uh, Khalil, uh, referencing the KKK's Christian association adds, I love this. Jesus was a brown Middle Eastern. These people are insane. I love this point. I've heard it many, many times and, and thought about it a lot over the course of my life. How do supposedly Christian, Christian organizations justify white supremacy uh, when Jesus himself was not white? Like, for sure not. Absolutely for sure not. He was Middle Eastern, 100% Middle Eastern. If Jesus was alive today, I wonder how many American Christians would suspect him of being a terrorist. Like, like how hard would he, ha- would he be hassled by the TSA, you know, trying to go through the airport? Like, think of, just think of, he's from the Middle East. He's not going to look like he's from fucking Denmark. 
Uh, user math, uh, Matthew Bissonette also drops in some wisdom, saying, Poor white people have a lot more in common with poor black people than they do with rich white people. The world is not divided by lines of race, but is divided by lines of economics. There should be solidarity among people of a common lot in life. Yes, sir. How true is that? Oppressed people, you know, unite. I always felt, you know, growing up that I had more in common with a poor black man than I did with a rich white man. Uh, I mean, for real, for real, even though I grew up in Idaho, you know, because I I wasn't sitting in my trailer in a backwoods little Idaho town without a single family member who had ever gone to college in my entire family tree thinking, man, it sure feels good to be on this team. Man, that's, whoa, that's great. I sure do love all this, all this white privilege I'm getting right now. I, uh, I sure, I sure do love this privilege of getting to taste government cheese and the privilege of, you know, having to buy discounted hot lunch tickets and the privilege of having to almost die if I ever want to be taken to the doctor because we don't have insurance, you know. I sure love the privilege of being having to wear like weird Kmart knockoff sneakers, you know, just had a lot of numbers in the title instead of Nikes. Man, and all these privileges are sure swell. No, man, the poor and oppressed need to join for, forces, forces, excuse me, the poor and the oppressed, you know, they need to join forces. Not let silly shit like racism keep them divided if they ever want to overthrow their corporate overlords. You know, preach, Mr. Bissonette, preach. Now, uh, all this intelligence and unity is fantastic, but, you know, it's not idiotic. Where, where are the idiots of the internet this week? Well, it uh, turns out they're commenting on a different video called News and Prophecy, the KKK and the Coming American Race War, uh, posted by user G-M-S-T-I-Z-A-Y-A-W-A-N-A-T-L. And it's a video of a KKK members uh, talking about, you know, a coming race war. And, and they're sitting in an environment uh, exactly uh, that would be what I expected if I didn't, you know, if someone just told me like, hey, man, I'm watching this video of these three, uh, you know, KKK people talking from their house. Uh, you know, they're sitting in a dumpy trailer on a thrift store couch, you know, that I, I'm, I imagine reeks of cat piss and cheap pilsner and cigarettes and butt crack and B.O. And check out this comment uh, left about the man in the video uh, hiding behind his KKK hood. It says, it's all caps. It says, Chris Barker is the one on the couch with his wife and kids. He's hiding his face because of his parole. He's not, <laughs> he's not allowed any clan activities, but he's very active in stealing from everybody. These fuckers are not Christians. They fight each other more than anything. Chris Barker's phone number is 434-791-3129. Those kids need to be taken away ASAP. Now, I don't know whose phone number that is. I don't want to get in trouble for relance. I want somebody's phone number. But I did read it. You know, it just posted right there on YouTube. And, and, and why do I think this comment is idiotic? Because the user who posted it, their, their channel is named White Pride Worldwide. Like, how disagreeable are these fucking idiots? Like, think about what I said earlier, where, like, like how narrow their reach is, where they're, they're, they're looking only for uber-conservative, uh, Christian fundamentalist, uh, you know, Aryan Protestants, right? That's, that's it. And then they can't even get along with each other. Like, within that group, they're fucking attacking each other. <laughs> like, they're just so filled with mindless hate. It's just constantly overflowing with them. Like, right? Like, like which I guess makes sense. Like, you can't hate just on who they happen to be 99% of the world and then meet up with your, uh, you know, people who hate everybody else, and then also, but then somehow magically get along. Like, they're just constantly just, just so full of hate, you know? That, that's gotta, that had to have bummed out the person who posted the video, though, right? Just like, fuck, man, we're getting thumbed down by other members now. How are we supposed to rise up and start a race war if we can't even get other members of our race to, to join us, right? They're supposed to be our prime demographic. That's our target demo. If we're not appealing to other white supremacists, we're in a lot of trouble, right? Because we, we really don't have another audience to go after. Uh, then more idiocy uh, under a video of a recent demonstration in Charlottesville. Uh, user Savagens Gaming uh, writes in all caps, <laughs> just the all caps, bitch, you need, wait, it's so hard to read because it's so nonsensical. Bitch, you need yo shut the hell up y'all made as fucking ass slaves and now you're, you're 
such a dickhead to be fucking up if blacks were racist to you damn white ass bitches, you would fuck your dick fuck off bitch. That's a quote. That's an exact quote. And I have no idea what it even means. I, I, I'm not sure if it's pro uh, or against the KKK. It's such it's so preposterously idiotic. Uh, it's reached the, the level of actual gibberish. I don't know if the user is, is white or black. I have no idea what's happening. Uh, user I do not consent does seem to understand some of it, replying with, I'd fuck my dick, bro. Okay, so a solid exchange, gentlemen. Solid exchange. Uh, I'm glad you two are having a, a nice intellectual discussion about race. Uh, user General Claus Von Bolt writes, I'm a proud liberal Democrat. We will kill all whites. Okay. All right. Uh, hoping this is some kind of satire and not an actual statement. Killing all whites. Not the answer to the KKK problem. They don't, they don't speak for all of us, okay? No, they do not. In fact, in fact, they speak for almost no one. They don't even get along. They don't even speak for each other, as we just found out. Uh, a user, uh, Anders Caesar, stumps uh, even, even the trolls when he posts the following nonsense. Uh, he says, The brave anti-racist American soldiers thought they had the right to rape Ten to 900,000 German women in the ages from 3 to 79 because they defeated the Nazis while degrading and killing their family members. You are indeed of same sick type of human's waste. Uh, okay, again, again, kind of hard to follow, kind of hard to follow some of these people. I'm not sure they have ac- how they have access to computers when they can clearly uh, uh, barely read or write. Um, I like... I, <laughs> I think I think this is against the KKK approach. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're talking about. I I love between ten and nine hundred thousand German women. That's a that's a large kind of spread there. That's a very broad estimate, and uh, and the victims were between the ages of three and seventy nine. Very specific numbers, uh, which I guess means that there was definitely at least two victims: one who was three and one who was seventy nine. Uh, which is you know uh, I feel like most most rapists from what I've read about them seem to have some kind of you know, t- target thereafter, you know, some kind of look, you know, like I think like a Bundy killer, you know, he likes a, a women of a certain age. This part really all over the map, three to 79, very indiscriminate, very confusing. Uh, and then uh, free speech zone weighs in with something I hear a lot saying they are no more racist than Black Lives Matter. So go fuck your racist double standard. OK, now, look, I'm not here to push some liberal agenda because I don't have one. <laughs> I really don't. I'm here to push common sense. That's what I try to do each and every week here on The Suck. The Black Lives Matter movement is not a white lives don't matter movement, right? There, there is no white lives matter movement in this country uh, because white lives have always mattered more. They just have to like law enforcement and other groups. That's just, that's just history. And to deny that is just to deny history, just to deny the facts of the world we live in. If the Black Lives Matter movement starts chanting, fuck white people, or, you know, white people need to die, or black lives matter more than white lives, you know what, then I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a big problem. That's, that's not okay. Not okay to be racist because you're not white, right? It's just as immoral and idiotic to be anti-white as it is to be anti-black. But please, you know, if you know anything at all, uh, about the history of America, and, and, you, and you've learned some more today, it's that African Americans have been disenfranchised uh, and, and abused far more, far more than white people. And again, as you know about me, this is coming from a, a dude with a very poor white kid background, okay? And, and, and if you want to write me in with some stats about how there's like a higher percentage of criminals among, among African Americans and Caucasians or, you know, some kind of argument along those lines, which is always kind of weird, I think, when people kind of bring that stuff up, uh, I, I you know, save your time. Socioeconomic status di- dictates the risk of criminal behavior, not skin color. Crime is not a reflection of pigment. It's just not. 
It's a reflection of the environment you were raised in, the lack of hope you feel for your future and your own personal poor choices. Well, use your free speech zone. You are no proponent of equality. You are just another idiot of the internet. Idiots of the internet. internet. Okay, third revival of the clan. Let's talk about the 1950s. After the decline of the national organization before World War II, you know, small independent groups adopted the name Ku Klux Klan along with variations that had no formal connection to the second KKK except for the fact that they copied its terminology and costumes. Uh, they began to set up their own claverns again, meet in each other's homes, churches, began in the 1950s, individual clan groups in like Birmingham, Alabama, began to resist social change and blacks' efforts to improve their lives by bombing houses in transitional neighborhoods. The white men working in uh, mining and steel industries uh, had access to, to materials to make bombs, and there were so many bombings of blacks' homes in Birmingham by clan groups in the 50s, the city's nickname became Bombingham. Uh, during the tenure of Bull Connor, as police commissioner in Birmingham, uh, Klan groups were closely allied with the police and operated with impunity from the law. Of course they did. Of course they did during Bull Connor's reign. That's the most racist-sounding sheriff name I've ever heard of in my life. Like, if you're writing a movie that featured, like, a super racist, insanely violent southern sheriff, it would be hard to come up with a better name than Bull Connor. Bull Connor is not the name of uh, an effeminate man running the daycare for inner-city youths. Bull Connor is the name of a broad-shouldered, just fucking terrifying stare-possessing son of a bitch who just kicks asses and punches faces for a living. Uh, When the the Freedom Riders, uh, some civil rights activists, you know, working to help desegregate the South, arrived in Birmingham in 1961, old Bull uh, gave Klan members 15 minutes to attack the riders as they saw fit before he would send the police in to quell the attack. My God, man, that stuff's still going on in the 50s. Just beat, maim, kill, whatever you need to do. I feel, I feel like uh, Bull was wearing aviator sunglasses and had a toothpick in his mouth when he told him that. I feel like Bull uh, looked like the guy from Cool Hand Luke, the warden. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Just, you know, that kind of piece of shit if you've seen that movie. Uh, when local and state authorities failed to protect the Freedom Riders and activists, the federal government began to establish intervention and protection. In states such as Alabama and Mississippi, Klan members forged alliances with governor's administrations. In Birmingham and elsewhere, the KKK groups bombed the houses of civil rights activists, like I was saying. Uh, we learned about the uh, uh, that in the Martin Luther King time suck. In some cases, they used physical violence, intimidation, and assassination directly against individuals, continuing disenfranchisement of the blacks across the South meant that they, uh, most could not serve on juries, which were all white and, and uh, demonstrably biased verdicts and sentences were handed out. Uh, according to a report from the Southern Regional Council in Atlanta, the homes of 40 black Southern families were bombed during 1951-1952. Some of the bombing victims were social activists, you know, whose work exposed them to danger, but a lot of them were just, you know, people who happened to be African-American. Uh, among the most notorious murders uh, by Klan members in the 50s and 60s was the 1951 Christmas Eve bombing of the home of National Association for the Advancement of Colored People activists Harry and Harriet Moore in Mims, Florida, resulting in their deaths. Uh, 1957 murder of Willie Edwards Jr. Uh, Klansman forced Edwards to jump to his death from a bridge into the Alabama River. Jesus Christ. 1963 assassination of NAACP organizer Medgar Evers in Mississippi. KKK uh, Byron uh, member Byron de la Beckwith uh, would not be convicted for this murder for over 30 years. Finally being found guilty in 1994, uh, the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing in September 1963, Birmingham, Alabama, which killed four African-American girls, injured 22 people. The perpetrators were Klan members uh, Robert Chambliss, who wouldn't be convicted until 1977, Thomas Edwin Blanton Jr., Bobby Frank Cherry, who wouldn't be convicted until, nine, until 2001 and 2002, and then Herman Cash, who, who would die before having a chance to be convicted. 
Uh, there was 1964 murders of Cheney, Goodman, and Schwerner, three civil rights workers in Mississippi. 30 years later, in June 2005, Klan member Edgar Ra- Ray Killeen was finally convicted of manslaughter. Are you sensing a pattern here? The law just ignored this shit, blatantly ignored it. Right, because because again, many police officers, you know, in this area were were just as racist as these clan members. If, if they weren't just clan members themselves, I'm not saying like all of them, not at all, but obviously a fair amount for for just crime after crime after crime, just to be like, well, we don't, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Well, you you did know because they were able to catch him thirty years later. Um, there was a 1964 murder of two black teenagers, uh, Henry. Hezekiah D. and Charles Eddie Moore in Mississippi in August 2007 based on the confession of Klansman Charles Marcus Edwards. James Ford Seal, a reputed KKK member, was convicted. Seal was sentenced to serve three life sentences, and he was a former Mississippi policeman and sheriff's deputy. Right, and on and on and on. You, 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 you get it. 1981, uh, the Klan was a well-organized national or- – uh, the Klan, excuse me, in 1981, the Klan, as a well-organized national organization, fell apart again for the third time. Right, uh, it, it would be done now, at least until uh, in the present day, as a, as a national organization. When Morris Dees, a M- Montgomery-based lawyer and founder of the Southern Poverty Law Center, a nonprofit civil rights organization that specializes litigation and and kind of keeping an eye on racist hate groups, uh, so, you know, they sued the Klan itself, known at that time as United Clans of America, for their conspiratorial involvement as an organization in the 1981 lynching death of Michael Donald. Not Michael motherfucking McDonald, this time longtime fans of the suck. No, a young man named Michael Donald became the first lynching victim in the South in over 30 years. The SPLC won the lawsuit. The Klan had to pay up seven mil, and this bankrupted the organization and had never been successfully reorganized since. And by the way, if you're doing like research on your own, I know some of you guys ask like, oh, what are some good sites and stuff? Uh, Southern Poverty Law Center uh, is a really good one. Really good one. Uh, th- their research seems to be very, very well done. Uh, Stanford. Stanford does a lot of studies. Uh, very well done. Uh, the Atlantic. Uh, I find that their articles are very informative and, and, and you know and well cited, and uh, and some others. And again, uh, kind of side note, just on that stuff. I know you guys like writing, like, hey man, if you could put a list together of your books and all that. I am barely getting these episodes done, even with all the help right now. So I do hear your your emails. I do want to do a lot more. And we're going to do a lot more. When that app gets built, I'm going to have some announcements where hopefully we can take the suck to the next level and I can get some full-time help and uh, and just keep kicking it up, man. Keep keep kicking up this cult of curiosity. I think this is important shit for us all to be learning about. Uh, okay. So in 2017, the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, which still dedicates itself to monitoring ex- extremist groups, estimates that there are at least 29 separate rival Klan groups currently active in the United States right now. And they, and they compete with one another for members, dues, news media attention, and the title of being the true heir to the KKK. Membership is estimated to be, you know, a couple thousand to five thousand. I mean, you know, not a lot. And, and loose membership, largely. Uh, according to a 2016 Anti-Defamation League report, uh, despite a persistent ability to attract media attention, organized KKK groups are actually continuing a long-term trend of decline. They remain a collection of mostly small, disjointed groups that continually change in name and leadership. So uh, that is the basic history of the KKK, right? That They started off, you know, a couple of Confederate soldiers, uh, you know, kind of kind of spread in name. This is kind of fraternity of hate to, to oppress recently uh, freed, you know, African-Americans. Uh, then after about 10 years or so, just when, this, when the South kind of got through with their period of federal oversight from the North during the Reconstruction of the South, and they just started becoming like, you know, uh, super racist again, like basically as racist as they could possibly be without technically going back to, to full-fledged slavery. Uh, the KKK went away because, you know, th- there was no need for hoods because people could just do whatever the fuck they wanted with impunity. 
And then, uh, and then that, you know, so then they go away again and then they come back after World War I when people have a whole new set of fears, when, you know, white Protestants are all scared all over again, scared about Catholics this time and about communists and about, you know, the Jewish Bolsheviks and ah, just fucking nonsense. And then, uh, you know, and then they, and then they go down, uh, well, they go down again. Actually, they, they, they just kind of, I guess, I guess that, that, that second one, yeah, they stay until, you know, what, right, right before World War II. And then the war starts. And then after World War II, it starts again, but not as organized as it was, you know, when it peaked back in 1925. Not as organized as it was before, you know, World War II. And then it just went away as, as a true organization in any sense altogether in the early 80s. So that is the basic history of the KKK. Now let's hop on out of this timeline. Good job, soldier. You made it back. Barely. So what is the KKK even fighting for anymore? Uh, honestly, I don't think they even really know. You know, they want an America that never existed. They want some Aryan utopia that isn't real. It's never been real. Uh, I read a great book about the Southern Poverty Law Center bringing down the third incarnation of the Klan in the, in the early 80s after the lynching of Michael Donald. Uh, and, and it really explores the lives of the Klan members uh, who killed Michael, you know, what they wanted, the mindset of the KKK in Alabama in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. The book is called The Lynching, the Epic Courtroom Battle that Brought Down the Klan, uh, written by Lawrence Lemer. It's that book about uh, Morris Dees. I was talking about him earlier. And, uh, you know, like, and, and it, yeah, it just kind of talks about who these people were. And, and, and basically, they were just people who wanted to believe that the, that the black man was the source of all their problems in life. And, and why? Well, I believe it's because it's easier to blame someone else, you know, for your problems than it is to blame yourself for, you know, for life not working out like you planned. And for many of them, it was, you know, simpler than that even. You know, they were racist because they were just kind of raised to be racist. And so were all their peers. You know, violent racism in the wake of a legacy of slavery. What a shameful and embarrassing part of the South's history, man. There's zero rational basis for such anger towards African Americans. You know, they didn't want to be brought to America and enslaved in the first place. And once slavery ends, you know, how do you not step back and think, oh, God, wow, man, that was some really fucked up shit we did. You know, we should we should fucking at least bake some, bake some cookies, bring them over to our new neighbors, and start the apologizing now. But instead, you know, so many just chose anger and hate. And, and this is pure conjecture and speculation on my part. Uh, 100% unsubstantiated armchair psychology going on here. But I, but I think I know why. I think most hateful fucks, I think, are hateful fucks because they were raised by and around other hateful fucks. And because of the parental bond you're born with, and, you know, when you're the child of a hateful fuck, you still generally love your, your hateful fuck of a parent. And you don't want to believe that they're a hateful fuck. You want to believe that they're, they're a good person, that they're, that they're not hateful, that they're right. You know, and I think it's psychologically just easier to go along with it and join them. Join them in the hate they feel as a way to kind of feel closer to them and as a way to be able to still respect them and love them, as opposed to denouncing everything they believe in and risking completely ostracizing yourself from your entire family and possibly your entire community. It's not an easy thing to do, you know? Think about that. Imagine being loved and cared for your whole life by a family who, along with all their friends, irrationally despise a group of people and even commit incredibly violent acts against those people. You know, do, do you go along with it in order to fit in or do you risk saying goodbye to just kind of everybody and everything you've ever known and just venturing off into a new life completely alone? Now, that you know, I know it's not always that dramatic, but a lot of times I, I bet it is. You know, how many fathers would have completely disowned their sons or daughters for an interracial marriage in Alabama in the 50s? Uh, wondered about what else contributes to making someone racist led me to a 2010 article in Psychology Today. And here's what the author, Clay Rutledge, Ph.D., social psychologist and professor of psychology at North Dakota State University, had to say about the factors that contribute to being racist. Uh, pretty interesting stuff here. Uh, one, self-esteem. Right? A number of published studies have demonstrated that people sometimes use prejudicial attitudes and discriminatory behavior to boost their own self-esteem. When people's self-esteem is, it feels threatened, 
prejudicial actions such as racism appear to restore esteem, at least for some. Obviously, this is not a socially productive way to gain feelings of self-worth, but it appears to be a way that some people do it. I guess that makes sense psychologically. You know, you're having a shitty day. You want to just feel better than somebody. If you can just somehow rationalize, you know, being superior to an entire race of people, then no matter how fucking shit your life is, you can at least go, yeah, well, at least I'm not that. You know, uh, number two, positive distinctiveness. Humans are social creatures. We like being part of a group. And just as we like to see ourselves in a positive light, self-esteem, we like to perceive our groups as important or significant. It's called positive distinctiveness. The problem is the, that the, uh, that one way this is done is by looking down on members of other groups. So if someone is noticeably different in some way, people sometimes hold negative attitudes about that individual because they belong to a different group. Classic and contemporary research and social psychology supports this idea as people tend to respond more favorably to others if they share a common group identity. This identity can be religious, political, social, even racial. As America becomes increasingly diverse and our attitudes about defining groups become more inclusive, racism should continue to decrease. However, at least for some individuals, it seems likely that race is still an important group distinction, and this distinction promotes negative attitudes towards people who belong to other racial groups. So how do we combat that? Well, I think we, we do it by, by joining a better group to feel good about. Like, time suck, you sons of bitches. Hail Nimrod. Right? Looking down on people of all races and creeds who aren't time suckers. That's what we do. And then we encourage all those people to join the suck. You know? And then we can feel great about them again as well. Because time suckers come in all shapes and sizes and genders and sexual persuasions and sexual identities and colors and religions. Pant sizes and fucking sock colors. Even you Scientology cult members are welcome. Get in here. Get in here. Make this your tribe. It's the best way to reprogram your mind and get away from the fucking lunatic teachings of L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, survival is another factor. Some scholars, I am serious, by the way, by the other stuff, man. Make time suck your tribe. God damn it. Do it. Survival is another factor. As some scholars have argued that uh, prejudice and racism in particular may be driven in part by uh, basic survival motives. Humans evolved as a species that thrives in groups. Groups compete over scarce resources, or at least historically did, you know, more. Uh, and we do not have to look back at our ancestors very far to see this in practice. Even today, nations and groups within nations fight over access to limited resources like water, good land, ports, oil, etc. Classic social psychological research demonstrates that it is very easy to pit groups against one another if they're competing for a scarce resource, right? Like the show Survivor, you know? Um, fucking people get real worked up about people uh, in the other tribe. So that's that's another one. That's another one. And finally, meaning. Uh, people are motivated to perceive life as meaningful. How would racism help people gain meaning? Uh, people find meaning by investing in cultural belief systems or worldviews that give their lives some sense of order and certainty. Sadly, some people invest in worldviews that promote racism, beliefs about racial superiority, that kind of shit. You know, the good news is the number of people who, who subscribe to racist worldviews appear to be decreasing. However, for those who do have racist worldviews, when their sense of meaning is threatened or the world feels uncertain, they will turn to their worldviews for guidance and support. Uh-huh. Man, they lose a job or something. They start freaking out. They're going to lose the house. They want someone to blame. And, you know, sometimes it's the Mexicans or sometimes it's, you know, black people or Jewish people. You know, that happens all the time. Well, how about instead of, you know, some bullshit worldview where you have to preserve your race as part of God's plan and you have to fight members of other races to keep your race from being destroyed, how about you accept the truth that we're all members of the human race? It's only a matter of time, you know? Uh, if the world isn't destroyed before it can happen, then we're all going to kind of end up looking like each other. We're all going to be part of the same ethnic group eventually if we make it that far. And I think, you know, maybe you just sign on to that. Maybe maybe make it your mission to, to speed it up, you know? There's a lot of attractive people out there of different races. You know, do it just sticking to just one, you know, in your dating life or even your marrying life. You know, that's uh, you're doing yourself a tremendous disservice. 
So how about subscribe to that instead? And finally, I think it's important to, uh, to you know, important point to remember with racism that, that one person or one family or even one neighborhood does ne- never represents an entire race of people. Not ever. You know, like if you live next door to a family of, let's say, for this episode, a family of black people that happen to be a bunch of total assholes, right? Because assholes come in all you know, colors, you know? And now you think you hate black people. No, you don't. You, you hate the Andersons next door, you know? That, that, that's all. They don't speak for everyone. And never forget, assholes and shit faces come in all shapes, sizes, genders, and colors. And so do amazing people. You know, I'm not trying to tell you not to hate in this episode. Just, just hate people who, who have, you know, earned it. Hate individuals, not groups. All right, let's get into some updates and preview uh, of next week's show right after today's top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one, the KKK took their costume idea from a movie their rituals from other fraternal orders, and their name is just some made-up nonsense. What a perfect origin for a group of idiots whose organization remains devoid of any real meaning to this day. Number two, the heyday of the KKK was organized by essentially a costume salesman, William Joseph Simmons, who saw there was a lot of money to be made by selling ignorant people silly hats. Number three, early KKK members rallied behind the belief that the black man was a threat to the white woman when actually the exact opposite was true. The white man had historically been a threat to the black woman. Uh, most of, you know, early mixed-race couples uh, were the result of slave owners raping female slaves, not vice versa. Nice try, assholes. Number four, the white man isn't evil, and neither is the southern white man. Allowing yourself to ignore truth and believe a hateful legacy of lies to make yourself feel superior, that is evil. So don't fucking do it. And number five, some new info, black man, uh, a black man says he has accidentally persuaded about 200 white racists to abandon the KKK simply by befriending them. Blues musician Daryl Davis has traveled the U.S. for about three decades, actively seeking out white supremacists as a hobby of his. In a new documentary, uh, uh, it's going to be, I didn't, I didn't get the name, uh, so, so sorry about that, but his, his name is Daryl Davis, so you can Google it. The 58-year-old can be seen sitting down, you know, uh, and joking with some cloaked members and says it's a wonderful thing when you see a light bulb pop on in someone's head or they call you and tell you that they're quitting, uh, says this author and lecturer. I never set out to convert anyone in the Klan. I just set out to get an answer to my question. How can you hate me when you don't even know me? I simply gave them the chance to get to know me and treated them the way I wanted to be treated. How beautiful is that? And what a, what a good way, you know, to end today's, you know, uh, ha- hateful subject on. Time suck. Top five takeaways. So that's today's suck. I hope, I hope you enjoyed it, time suckers. I hope you keep spreading the suck. Some of you have written in about the Time Suck app, and it is being built. It is. I'm, I'm, I'm working on trying to build this uh, Time Suck community as fast as I can with, with all the money I got. And uh, it's just going to take a while. You know, really hope it's out and uh, operational sometime in November. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we'll modify it from there. Also, sorry for not getting back to a lot of you. I have been extremely busy lately working on some other stuff and working on uh, Time Suck as well. And just I literally have not had uh, enough hours in the day to get it all done, even with the help a lot of you fine time, fine time suckers have been giving me. So I promise it's nothing personal. Uh, I've just been getting a lot of emails and just literally don't have, don't have time to, to get back to them because they're, they're in-depth, they're personal, which I appreciate. And, uh, you know, a, a quick response is not sufficient. Uh, next week on The Suck, some of you are going to be very happy to hear it's the Iceman. The Iceman, finally. Richard Kuklinski, American mobster and hit, hitman who was convicted of murdering five people. Uh, though he, he likely killed probably several, several dozen more over a period of 30 years. He was associated with members of the mob, including the five families in New York City. And apparently for three decades, he would just murder whoever the fuck they wanted him to murder. And then he would just come home and play husband and dad like nothing happened. You know, just choke some dude out on Tuesday, host a barbecue on Saturday. How do people do that? 
We're going to find out next week. Uh, we're at least find out how he did it. And now let's find out what people have been saying this past week by looking at some Time Sucker updates. Updates. Get your Time Sucker updates. Okay, first one, many episodes ago, I talked about Flat Earth Theory and those who believe that NASA is guarded. You know, they're guarding the ice wall perimeter of the Flat Earth. Uh, to keep us from finding out the truth, you know, that we can just walk out into space. Well, another NASA time sucker wrote in to assure us once again that this is not true. Uh, time sucker John Ellis wrote in saying, Evening, Master Sheriff Sucker. I was listening to the most recent episode. I like that. Well, you briefly mentioned the NASA ice wall guards. I figured I would give you some information on that. I'm a protective services officer for NASA. And while we do have a SWAT team, uh, which is hilarious to me, we do not have an Arctic Defense Force. Uh, I could not imagine what it would be like to stand out in, in the ball-shrinking cold every day guarding an ice wall. Uh, I do, however, n- uh, know what it is like to direct traffic in the blistering heat for three hours. Keep sucking. Hail Nimrod, John. Love it. You know, I love the argument that Earth believers try and make, that flat Earth believers. You know, on the, on the one side of the flat Earth debate is every scientist, every legitimate scientist ever. On the other is your buddy Tony down at the shop who's been kind of thinking about some shit. Uh, time sucker Ryan Daggett wrote in, uh, saying, hey, Dan, just saw your show at the Irvine Improv tonight, and you absolutely killed. Ah, thank you, Ryan. You were hands down my favorite comedian. I just felt really good tonight and wanted to share it with you because you are the man that made it happen. I brought your, uh, I bought your awesome book for my 15-year-old daughter who was disappointed that she couldn't join me at your show. I have let her listen to your Don't Wake the Bear CD and some podcasts, and, and it brings me so much joy to laugh together with my daughter. Uh, we don't have tons in common, but we are, uh, both have a very sarcastic sense of humor and connect with your type of comedy. When I gave her your book signed by you, she was so excited. I, I was so surprised how much she appreciated getting a book signed by her favorite comedian. It made me feel great. Like we have uh, uh, our love for your comedy to share together. Or that we have our love for your comedy to share together. Then my five-year-old son said, keep on sucking. And, I, and, I, and it felt like a great family moment. That was just, It was just really cool. So thank you for the laughs. Uh, and the Daggett family appreciates your comedy and podcast that truly makes our lives a little bit better. Thank you so much for, for many laughs. And we'll see you in Hollywood, uh, Ryan. Ryan, God damn it. Can't tell you how much joy it gives me to hear that silly shit I do is bring in some families like yourself, like your family, you know, closer together. That really, really does warm my heart, man. It really does. Uh, you know, just like I guess make you know, I guess I make you feel better, man. You you do the same for me when you share stuff like that. So thank you so much for doing that. And I and I will see you. Uh look forward to seeing that live time suck taping in Hollywood in October. And finally, man, an, an update from a time sucker who who wanted his name kept out of this update, and I will respect that request. He writes in saying, Hello, Master Sucker, motherfucker. <laughs> I love it. Uh, warning, what you are about to read will be peppered with grammatical errors and half-formed thoughts. Nah, I'm fine with that. So I have to be completely honest. When you were ramping up to do the transgender episode, I completely lost interest in anything that has to do with you or time suck. My first thought was, oh, great, another comedian bowing down to the PC bullshit of this country. Now it is probably time to mention that I'm a Democrat and I'm not a bigot. One thing I'm sick of uh, – is the transgender debate. In reality, no one should be able to tell anyone how they should feel or what they can and cannot do with their own bodies. The episode was done wonderfully and was very informative. Thank you for the professionalism of this episode instead of getting on a soapbox. Everyone should be comfortable in their body that they are in and everyone should be able to love who they love. Ah, couldn't agree more. Uh, My one concern has always been how to properly treat transgender individuals in an emergency setting. I'm a paramedic in a fairly large area it goes from incredibly, incredibly poor to incredibly affluent and everywhere in between. Uh, I can hear the argument forming in my head when I have a patient that doesn't let me know that they are trans and I will get in trouble for just assuming. While I'm sure most transgender individuals will point out that they are, I, I do get nervous about uh, pissing the wrong person off by assuming. 
Sometimes with certain complaints and certain presentations with patients, it is completely gender-specific. I don't know. I'm just rambling on right now. Uh, I just know people get up in arms about anything, and I'm always one wrong question away from being filmed and, <laughs> and put on blast in the internet because of my assessment questions. At least we don't live in North At least we don't live in North fucking Korea, right? That is a good point. That is a very good point. Uh, that, that he's bringing up right there, this uh, this unnamed time sucker, and I, and I will say that uh, to my transgender listeners, I know I know I have I think quite a few now. Um, yeah, man, you shouldn't have to put up with any bullshit, absolutely. But also, I, I would just encourage you to to be gentle uh, in your response to people who may assume the wrong gender. You know, because uh, that's that's somebody who's they're not necessarily. Uh, being a dick at all, they may genuinely just not know. And I know that uh, can be, uh, you know, unintentionally hurtful to you. Maybe you had some self-esteem stuff there. It's never, you know, it's never good to have somebody think you're the different gender than you are because, you know, you want to look uh, how you want to look. But if they genuinely are confused, just, you know, just try and keep in mind that maybe they're not being a dick. You know, maybe maybe they're not, and, and you know, maybe they're a nice person like this time sucker who's doing their very best to make you feel at ease and, and be a nice person. Anyway, so that's that. Anywho, thank you for inventing the PlayStation 4, the Fleshlight, the Squatty Potty, Facebook, Punk Rock, and the Pyramids. You bet, man. You bet. Yep, I knocked all that out. Keep sucking. Hail Nimrod and hail Bojangles. God damn it, yes. Love always he will, who will not be named. Uh, P.S. I want some... <laughs> P.S. I want some of my pit bull licking her vagina. Stop. Burp onto her vagina and then continue, <laughs> and then continue licking it. That has nothing to do with anything, but I figured you would think it was funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I did. I did think that was funny. I have a very visual brain, and I have a fucked up <laughs> sense of humor. I would have laughed so hard if I saw that. It's the burp. It is the burp that kill. I can totally see my dog doing that. Oh my god, my dog burped so hard one time after I let her. I let Penny have one of those stupid Starbucks uh, puppuccinos. I know is ridiculous. I know, but I can feel some of your eye rolls. Eye rolls right now. It's a dollar to get a, a little cup of whipped cream, but it makes her so happy, and she just she goes after it so furiously. Like, I've never seen her try to eat something like one of those little things with whipped cream. Like, she just goes fucking bananas. Like, she would kill uh, me and her puppy mama, both, if she could get to one of those as much as she loves us. And one time, she just went after it, went after it, went after it, and then <laughs> and then did like a like a man, like, uh, like afterwards, and then went right back to trying to find a few scraps left in the cup. Oh, anyway, okay. Uh, thanks for the thoughts on the transgender issue. And, uh, and also I do want to acknowledge that many times suckers have, have written in with stats and legitimate articles stating that the mental health community is not totally certain how to handle the issue of being transgender. And that some people believe it's a mental health issue, uh, that should be handled not with hormones or gender reassignment surgery, but with counseling. And, and here's what I'd like to say on that, you know, because I think some people complain that I didn't show enough information on the other side. I don't think people did. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, but here, here's why I presented it the way I did at this point in my life when something really heavy uh, like the transgender, you know, situation is up for debate, and there's two sides, two legitimate sides to the issue, uh, both backed up with studies and research. I like to take the side of compassion and tolerance, right? And like until we know, I just think that's that's the safe side to be on. You know, I don't know exactly what it means to be transgender. If it's something that should be addressed with medicine or surgery or counseling, I don't know. I'm not transgender. What I do know is that some people who identify as being transgender really believe that a different body or gender identity would make them have a much happier life. And if it does and it's not hurting anybody else and they're an adult capable of making their own decisions, then I am all for for them doing whatever the fuck they need to do to find a little more peace in this crazy world of ours. Thanks, time suckers. We all did. Well, that's it for today, Colt the Curious. Have an amazing week. Keep evolving. Keep questioning. Keep judging people. But just do it on their actions, not on the color of their skin. 
and keep on fucking sucking. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University... We know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.